So, <clears throat> keeping with tradition, I will start us off, and then I will pass it along. Now, a little bit different from how we normally do things on this edition of the show, I would like for us to announce our personal victors. So, if this film happens to be the one that we rank the highest, okay. then in our, in our little ramp up, we will <coughs> pronounce whether it's Groucho Marx, <clears throat> Mel Brooks, or... John Hughes as who we think is the king of comedy for this show. Of course, right. at the end of the show, we'll find out who the true king of comedy is. As I said, um, I struggled this week, but um, Groucho Marx. So um, I didn't think I had seen any of these three films. Turns out that I did see this film. I don't remember where or how. I, I can't even begin to fathom where I saw it. But as soon as the movie started, it seemed familiar to me. And then about 10 minutes in, I was like, yes, I've seen this film a long time ago, be it as it may. So, uh, yes. So uh, what, what to say here? I, you know, what was stood out to me about the, the Marx brothers, uh, Groucho brothers, Marx brothers, Marx, Marx, brothers. Marx brothers. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially Groucho. He seems more like a writer than a performer to me, um, and and the writing is good and it's witty and for the time it certainly feels like there was some sort of like a punch through cinema happening, which we've uh, time and time again on the show discovered movies that we felt like were were respectful in the in the in the sense that they punched through cinema and opened up the landscape of their genre. And I think that this film, or at least these auteurs, definitely served their purpose as far as breaking open comedy goes especially for that time period um i still think that they don't compare to charlie chaplin um but i do give them respect and out of the three films i do think that groucho marx and the marx brothers are victorious uh, i crown them oh. the champions of comedy and i give duck soup 6.9 nice. 6.9 nicely done yosh we passing it to you're crowning champion at 6.9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess that gives away a little bit of how I feel about the other two. Um, I'm going to pass this along to the one and only Paul Jackson. Oh, thank you, Yoshi. Uh, you said something very relevant, and I, of course, forgot it. But uh, <laughs> It wasn't that fucking oh, relevant. It wasn't that, it wasn't that amazing. Yeah, so Chaplin, I... show writers... Yeah, I don't know. I think what it was, it's funny because this week you have done an excellent job of curating films by theme. And of course, I watched Duck Soup and I was hoping upon hope because we have like Dr. Strangelove on our list and some other movies that might unify more thematically with Duck Soup. But for me, if we go back to, again, January, you pressed us about what we were going to do in 2021. I said we have to dig into these movies we watch and see how they relate to actually us as a dead cinema and how we're bringing dead cinema back to life. So uh, for me, this felt less like a true comedy, more like a surrealist theater, which I adored about this. And uh, it's interesting, uh, I like you, have not seen a lot of Marx Brothers movies, but I am going to crown them the champion. Oh, okay. I am going to crown them the champion, and I will give two, Duck two Soup trophies. for its beautiful, surrealistic, anti-war message. Oh, and it just disappeared, but let's bring it back, oh, and Paul will give this 
A 7.5. Wow, 7.5. Nice. 5 for Duck Soupy. Um, I thought you were going to give us another 6.5 plus point six. <laughs> no. I saw that. I saw that on the YouTube replay. I said, eh, that didn't work the way I want to. Like, no, it's okay. We won't do oh, that. It's again. nice. But, I liked it. Yeah. Right, who are you passing to? Oh, excuse me. I will pass to uh, the workout king himself, uh, Aaron Mann. <laughs> oh. I am back. Um, all right, guys. Duck Soup. Uh, what an interesting journey this was. Um, a little dive into slapstick and clever writing. And uh, I mean, you could tell they were definitely inspired by Chaplin and trying to pave their own way, adding writing to a Chaplin-esque feel. Um, so hats off. I think this was very unique for its time. Um, I rather enjoyed it. I thought it was witty and fun and, uh, I, I enjoyed the guy that cut everything in half. Um, that was Harpo <laughs> Harpo. Um, so Aaron Mann is going to land this rating review. A 7.6. All right. I rather enjoyed it. Yeah, those both seem fair to me. Yeah. Wow. Nothing okay. wild, but I, I think this, you know, I was almost going to rate it a little higher because I think this does in ways take over something like the general. Like I, I actually enjoyed this more than the general. Mm -hmm. Oh, no competition. Yeah, yeah, I would say that as well. Yeah. Which is weird because my general rating is higher and I'd like to move my general rating lower because I think my high rating on the general was literally the train scene. That was why I gave it a good, like a higher point, you know? Which yeah, right, Chris, to recur something. in another movie we saw this <laughs> week. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So for me, this movie, this movie really hits what the Marx Brothers like are. It's, it's very, like the amount of punches in this movie for a comedy, like, just the first scene with Groucho Marx, I think, alone is a masterclass in comedy writing. However, we're, we're, we are reviewing a whole film. So, Chris gives the eponymous first film in the comedy show for Dead Cinema Society a 6.7. There we go. Wow, so uh, I'm, I'm so confused now because... All week leading up to this and prior to this, first yeah. of all, Chris brought the film in. I did. And the only remarks I've heard from Chris on it's the hilarious. were that it was incredible and hilarious and just yeah. waits and all this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. you come in with a 6-7? Yeah, bro. You have the lowest <laughs> rating in the world. And this yeah. is your film. I yeah. know. I, I, I understand. Well, actually, I, I, comm I commend you for your honesty and not trying yeah. to boast that you brought a film in and therefore it's great. Exactly. Hey, Chris, I think this yes. show has had a great impression on you, and now yes. you're able to view cinema in a different way. Thank you for filming. <laughs> that's, that's a compliment. Uh, that, that's a compliment, yes. That Chris couldn't decide if that is a compliment, yes. The <laughs> final ranking for Duck Soup is a 7.2. Wonderful. 7.2. 7.2, so that, uh, that means that you guys split a point between Paul and Aaron. So I'm going to start the conversation off with just explaining the title of the movie. Uh, out of Groucho Marx's uh, mouth himself, he said, Take two turkeys, one goose, four cabbages, but no duck, and mix them together. After one taste, you'll duck soup the rest of your life. 
as in it, it's actually nothing to do with duck it's like duck like a void right yes you'll yeah. duck soup got it well that was funny um <laughs> he hates it so much <laughs> uh oh. no I, this no this movie didn't piss me off at all it just wasn't that good um it it didn't it, it for the time period uh, um you know it's like I, there was definitely moments of of wittiness but again for me it was it was more like little like ah clever writing ah more clever writing ah more clever writing it wasn't so much the performances that really the gags like were they were you know they were good again they just weren't chaplin-esque which is where i hang my hat with this type of stuff um so enough about my distaste of it um who had seen this film before christopher that's me paul had you seen this before no no okay so it was your first um oh yeah that's right you said it was your first groucho mm -hmm. uh, marx brothers um who are these brothers does anybody know anything about them well, they got their start in vaudeville uh, back in what oh five oh six, and that's where they cut their teeth and were hugely successful. And then I don't know who shepherded them into movie making, but um, perhaps you know, they saw a Chaplin film, Chaplin film, and was like, "Oh, we can do that." Yeah, because I mean, uh, you know, a movie like this, this is what uh, what are we in thirty three? So we're in the Great Depression still, and I'm sure that. Uh, um, you know, this was definitely a call to action for them because, uh, you know, this is a way to entertain the American masses who right now are penniless and, you know, um, going through very hard times. So, uh, but yeah, that sort of bridge from vaudeville, you know, live performance to, to movies. I don't know, um, you know, when that happened, but. Can we imagine what that might feel like to be in the middle of a depression and, 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 and to have that sort of reprieve from all the depressiveness around you and, and you go and watch one of these movies, like they were probably howling, laughing at the theater, like just mm -hmm. like just like exercising all the demons out of themselves. Yeah, I'm sure it was it was quite a momentous occasion. Sounds oh, familiar. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Sounds familiar, Aaron? Yeah, 2020. Oh, yeah. I don't think we have it nearly as bad as they had it. Till. No. And also, <laughs> like, this, this is another thing, too. I mean, like. This is something that I really struggled with and we're going to get into as, as the comedy show gets on. But it's like there will never be another strict comedy movie anymore because audiences are kind of done with it. And like you have you have movies like this and movies that we'll watch again where it is strictly comedy. And then obviously at the end, we'll get into planes, trains and automobiles, however deep we can go with that. But this is a movie just made to make people laugh. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was uh, something that I plan on bringing up at some point. Yeah. Um, where really this week for me, the question that it spawned was just an inquiry into the genre of comedy, where it's at and where it's going. And kind of like what you just hinted at, mm -hmm. um, it seems like it's dead. I just think that I would, I would instead submit to you that I think we're in a transition period and we're waiting for someone to sort of reinvent the genre. And you can kind of see, you know, you can kind of see comedy veering in these kind of wild directions right now with certain like HBO type comedy shows. For example, I just binged season one of Dave, Lil Dicky's show. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know anything about Lil Dicky. Um, I went to listen to his music after the fact, and it's unbearably bad. Um, however, the show is fucking amazing, and his music within the context of the show is amazing, and it's it's just very clever and smart and really funny. Um, 
I bring that up only because I'm seeing these sort of new shows that are combining like dark, dramatic, real life shit with like absurd comedy or mm -hmm. physical comedy. And, and that seems to be a trend at the moment. But really, when was the last time there was a real, a real comedy that came out that really took over the zeitgeist? And for me, I would say like something like Superbad. I mean, you could you could say that as well. I would say either uh, Step Brothers or Anchorman. Probably, probably the last comedy films that were strictly not trying to push a different message, not trying to blend a different genre into comedy, where it was strictly comedy, very quotable, very like. Remember at this part when this character did that, uh, very much akin to Duck, how Duck Soup was, where it was like, do you remember when he first walked in and he said, you you know, you can take it in an hour and a half. You can leave in a half and a half hour, like something like that. Like it's just these plan words and these like endlessly quotable lines, you know, from Step Brothers, from Anchorman. Like there's no like there's no fucking theme to Anchorman. It's to make you laugh. And I think that the the commonality between these comedies that you're bringing up is it's really the, their success is warranted really on the performance of singular actors. These yeah. are the people who are bringing these movies to life, who are selling them. Instead of it being this cohesive comedy unit, this this harmony of the parts where it's like the writing is is really amazing. I think it really is the comedy of our our day and age. Really is just funny people being funny. Right. Yeah. yeah. You make a great point there, Yoshi. The last part because the time is the important context. Because if we go back a little, I would single out Airplane as an ensemble comedy. Yep where there's no clear comedic, uh, or excuse me, no clear singular comedic voice. It's an ensemble and yeah. it works and it's quotable. And, and that point, Chris made that point, the water cooler conversation Monday morning, which followed a lot of these comedies, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, you, there was no social media is a really good point because those were quotable lines that helped the movie endure. But we had uh, before that, maybe it's a mad, 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 mad world. But yeah, there were these ensemble comedies that were not driven by a studio telling Will Ferrell, uh, we're going to build, we're going to build an entire tent pole around in you know, a Ron Burgundy. Oh, okay. Got it. And we're going to, you know, we're going to paper this with three other talented performers and this is going to be gold and it really will be. And it can live beyond the, it can live beyond uh, the big screen. I mean, Ron Burgundy has broadcast sporting events. He's been, uh, you know, he has been taken literally and not so literally. So it's been really fun to watch that evolve. But yeah, you make, a, you both of you make really, really good points about the, you know, that comedy timeline and how it's changed. I, I would even... I would even propose a, a wild sentence right now. I'll say it. I think I've always thought that sci-fi is one of the most unexplored genres that there are. I think that it's just, it, it's such, it's, there's just so much you can do with that genre, but maybe more than any other genre, it's so hard to successfully pull off. And I think that very few have done it well. And I think there's so much more that can happen with that genre. I never really thought I'd say this, but I think comedy actually falls under that category as well. I think that comedy 
is very it's very few and far between where a comedy film is 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 very good and successful and i think that we are going to have a renaissance in comedy where much like the marx brothers broke open the genre in this film or maybe their previous films or chaplin before that i think someone's going to come along yoshi Burgess, and totally change <laughs> comedy forever uh, and bring it in bring it into a new place um and I, i'm i'm looking forward to that day now what do we think the reason is that comedy feels dead right now is it because nobody wants to laugh is it because people are afraid of being too crazy in these very safe times i want to say that we're missing certain pieces like jim carrey you know when i think of physical comedy and i think of clever witty lines and having an actor really let loose and being able to follow a story that just comes alive with with a an incredible talent like that you know you look at something like ace ventura and it's all physical and it's all lines and it, and, and to me that kind of movie pops and we're missing that kind of freedom in comedy i would say we're missing those types of people people yeah, 100 those yeah. people people who are brave in in making themselves an absolute fool and and you know and crossing these boundaries within their own like persona of letting letting them those parts of them go i think that we we don't have that really person right now and i would argue like jim carrey is a great example i think he's actually if i was going to do like a top 10 list or something of people who are the most comedic genius of all time time he's in there another guy to put up at the top there who i think I would love for someone like this to come around now um, who is someone who Jim Carrey portrayed in a film, Andy Kaufman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think someone like Groucho Marx has that ability too. I mean, I, I, did, I did background research into this movie of just like, personally, I, I didn't like the, the scenes with, with Harpo and, and Chico, uh, the, the two, the Italian and the mute uh, other brothers, uh, because it was, it was dated. It was very slapstick. It was, you know, you know, you can stop me from kicking you when you block me or something like that. It was very stupid. Like I, I imagine it killed at the time, but like in our world right now, it doesn't work. No. So like I looked and Groucher actually had a segment on an NBC show where he would just talk to people and all he did was make fun of them. Like, <laughs> and he, all he would do is like make one joke and then look at the camera and he would, it would kill and it still kills. The guy is just like, he's very quick. But Groucho didn't try and tell us his political beliefs. Groucho didn't try and say, you know, we should do this. We should have this cause. Everyone nowadays is more focused on having their own personal message and their own, like, bit to it. Because that's part of the zeitgeist now. It's like we want to be more vulnerable. We want to be more open about these things. In his day and age, and, like, I, I suspect with, like, a lot of the, you know, 90s and 80s comedies... You didn't hear about Jim Carrey's personal life because he was the guy who made wacky faces. Now you hear about Jim Carrey, you know, losing his wife and having this kind of existential breakdown. It, it kind of puts that in between. Uh, I actually watched a modern day comedy with someone who I thought was very funny, but didn't expect to, like, have an emotion reaction to it. I watched Palm Springs uh, this past week in comparison to, like, okay, a modern comedy movie. Like, where can we go from here? It's supposed to be kind of a similar vein as Groundhog Day, which is a, you know, Bill Murray-led kind of existential comedy with that kind of grounded film, uh, filmic narratives. I think that movie is incredible and deserves to be in the Dead Cinema Society. Do I think it's a comedy, though? No. 
Palm Springs, tell us more. I don't know anything about this. So not to detract too much from Duck Soup, but like whereas Duck Soup is purely a present a situation, create a, you know, a game, essentially. It's it, it, this entire movie is one long improv game. It's an unlikely person gets put into power. The two spies are in opposition to him. He starts to work with them. A war happens and then they single handedly win a war from like a house. Whereas Palm Springs, it starts off at a wedding. Then there is a time loop. Uh, Kristen Milotti's character, I don't remember her name in the film, gets pulled into this time loop where she is forced to basically spend eternity living through the same day. Uh, you learn that, oh, much like Groundhog Day, the guy that has been there, Andy Samberg, has done all the things that you see in Groundhog Day, like stealing, killing, doing all these things, and has realized that it's boring. So you get like the tail end of that. But then you get like very humanistic questions like what is eternity what is morality like what is like who does it matter who you are outside of this simulation or outside of this like big thing they don't take the chance in duck soup to do anything like that they don't they don't consider war as like a terrible thing where people die it's like a thing to put you know gags later on you know what i mean yeah i wish we had watched that movie because we'd actually have something to talk about (laughs) well i mean we can throw it in later but you didn't get the impression like Duck Soup was an anti-war movie or had no. a statement about. Hmm. I did you, did you, Paul? Yeah, I thought I thought it was just uh, we were laughing at dictatorships. It was sort of a, you know, he was thumbing his nose at, um, you know, again whoever was still uh, in power as we said goodbye to the First World War and uh, entered into the Second World War, or you know we were predating it, of course, by what six or seven years. But yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought it was exactly maybe what little we knew as Americans was going on in Europe about the rise of dictatorships and what little people knew about what was going on in Russia or going on in Italy. I, I just felt like uh, that that was the highbrow element of this movie that was delivered in a very lowbrow way. Um, like we're we're going to I mean the, that sequence at the end with uh, you know we're losing our troops with this you know just. Oh, we don't care. You know, it, uh, to me, it was just uh, that it was it had elements of an anti-war message. Now, if 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 someone was to make a comedy right now in the same vein that, say, the Marx Brothers or, or Chaplin might have been poking fun at such serious matters such as war, you know, trying to be reprieve for those kind of things. What would be, we be doing in combat? What would we combat now in comedy? Since there's no, you know, it wouldn't be war. What about our society? Would we do we need to rip open elections? Well, like, it's it's no. Yeah. Go on, Paul. No, uh, well, you make a great point, Yoshi. Because what's funny? Like I've seen an episode of the circus. I find it funny on Showtime. You know about the political about politicos and the political scene. Like, are we now at a point that's you make a really good point. I don't know if Hollywood has to fashion something for us to laugh at anymore. I think reality is funny enough. Uh-huh. And and that is, so that's where I go, oh, interesting. Uh, maybe we can put the brakes on because what we can just do is capture, like somebody smarter than me has figured out, I'm going to go to Miralago and I am going to have a camera going. I'm going to have reporters. I'm going to have invasive Uh, from a distance, camera lenses trained on President Trump and everything that's going on, and they could probably develop 
a comedic story that we would all be watching if it hasn't already been done. But I wonder now if we're at a point where reality trumps some fictionalized reality, comedic yeah. reality. Yeah. I hear what you're getting at, and it's just the sense that like the aliens above decided to turn the dial of comedy up a little bit, just to turn the simulation a little more geared in the sense of absurdity, because now just nothing makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The aliens have landed! And here we go, everybody. Um, Aaron, in, yes. in, in, in service of Duck Soup, to try to say something about this film... Uh, what stood out to you? What stood out to me was the the clever dialogue. Um, it just was this continual like rule of opposites, if you will. You know, the guy couldn't say anything that had anything that it's like there was no serious tone to anything that guy said. What was his name in the thing? Uh, Rufus. Rufus. Everything yeah. Rufus said, it was like built up as serious and then opposite built up as serious and then opposite and and to the point where like literally every line had an opposite and that's essentially comedy right like to hit you with the opposites and i i just found it so clever the metaphors and the continual puns and it was just like i mean you know yoshi you you talk about loving the the world of the absurd you know, with Jodorowsky and stuff. And I thought you were just going to latch onto this movie because of the absurdity of how big it got, you know, how it just kept leveling up. Like, how do I level, 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 level? Now, oh, I mean, guys, we got to point out the mirror scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, he catches an eye of himself in the mirror and he's like, wait, something's not right. And they just have the mirroring back and forth and up and, you know, all the different things around walls and, you know, Yoshi, this kind of reminded me of... And the some, guy drops his hat and he helps yeah. him pick it up. <laughs> but Yoshi, this reminded me of uh, acting um, exercises that we've done together, you know, where you sit across from somebody and you stare at each other and you mirror the other person and you almost like let yourself, you get out of the way of your ego and you get out of the way of yourself and you're able to share a mind with somebody. You're, sh you're able to share the ether with someone else and know exactly where and what they're going to do. And to capture that in film, I've never seen it done. So just that alone was like a masterful scene in itself. And I was just like, that's incredible. Like that needs to be recreated and I've never even seen it done. So that for 1933, like that really stood out to me. They were understanding something about the mind and understanding something about mental psychic abilities that we share as human beings where we are able to tap into physical realities together so that was special and, and that's why i opened my rant with uh saying that they punched a hole through cinema because i too could uh tap into the the idea that they were ahead of their time as far as intellectually speaking goes they were they were they were clever and witty in ways that it just had not been thought up yet and so maybe that audience that proverbial audience we spoke of earlier uh, of them laughing at the audience maybe there was also people who were kind of just like what the fuck like what yeah. is this yeah they might it might have just gone over their head a bit because nobody was really thinking that way yeah complete outer thinking um you know, there's a couple other films, too, that catch my eye in comedy. I just want to mention that you guys were talking about staples. In my heart, in my mind, I love things like 
Pineapple Express, uh, Meet the Parents, uh, White Chicks. I, I get a lot of flack for White Chicks, but there's something so uh, freeing in that world where you take on an entire different persona. You, you become a, the White Chick woman in this story, and there's just like this release. Like you get to really wear a mask, mm-hmm. and in that mask is complete freedom and comedy because it's just now anything's possible. The absurd is there. Like if I could create comedy, I would create a white chicks type of movie where it's like, no, 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 no. You don't get to be offended. Let's fucking go to this place. You know what I mean? I'm I'm glad you say that because, you know, this is again, fueling the, the idea that I'm really trying to get at as far as the next step for comedy goes. And I think that all of this PC safe bullshit culture that we have right now, the reason why I'm sort of able to laugh that off is because I really think it's all for a reason. I do think it's hilarious that we as a people, you know, consider ourselves so much more advanced than every, you know, person that came before us. But really, it's like we go, you know, we, we go like this, we go like this, like and right now we're going like this for sure. Like the 60s may have been, you know, we might have been thinking a little outside the box going up. But right now we're going down, but we will go up again. And that up is going to be where we get to a place where we get to make fun of each other again. And in order to get to that place, you first have need to go to a place where you can't make fun of each other. And that's where we're at right now. But like Tropic Thunder, right now you can't do what Robert Downey Jr. did. But I do think that that's coming again. I think we're going to have white people in blackface. We're going to have black people in whiteface. We're going to have Asian people in blackface and, and black people in Asian face and in Native Americans. Everyone's going to get in on it again. And that's my hope for comedy is that we again get to a place where we show each other love by making fun of each other. And that's where comedy should always be. And I think that's going to come. I really Absolutely. do. Absolutely. I mean, who's going to break that mold, right? It's going to be so offensive. It's going to be so controversial. But somebody is literally going to say, no, 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 no. Fuck you. No, no, yeah. no. Fuck you. I'm doing it. You know, let it be known it is. today. Yoshi is trying to break the comedy glass ceiling. We have to. Coming, we have man. to. Everyone's taking themselves too seriously, you know, and it's causing a different style of depression. No, it's not 1930s depression but we're in a different type of depression it's a submersive individual depression that people are walking around on eggshells all day yeah it's a subconscious depression and that is dangerous you know suicide rates are up people are very unhappy it's a mess you know i mean no you know in america the poverty line is very different than the rest of the world but it's it's a mental warfare out there and what will happen who will break the mold in comedy to bring us back to a place where we can let go and there are uh, just to clarify there are certain parts of this movement that are necessary i'm not i don't shit on the whole thing i think that everything's for a reason i do think that there are certain seedy elements of our society that need to be you know a magnifying glass should be held up to that and and we need to hold people accountable for being you know, pigs and, and, and animals and abusing power. So I'm happy this all happened. But of course, when the pendulum swings, it swings all the way. So we're, it's going to bounce itself back out. And um, who knew that duck soup would lead to one of the most <laughs> interesting intellectual conversations we've had on modern society? Hey, it's all about hegemony. 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 Oh, hegemony. hegemony. <laughs> Yosh, you know, you just kind of spawned something in my mind. Which is interesting. The political sphere in this movie is a lot 
similar to what happened with Trump taking office, right? Like we had all the proper politicians, we had all the proper ways to go about, you know, society and policies and all these things. And now you have this jokester, kind of somebody that comes in and says, fuck you. I do what I want. I'm boisterous. Oh, you want to see a tweet? Here's a tweet. It's almost like duck soup is a reality of what we just lived with Trump, where it was like, no, no, no. A lot of people don't want the common politician. A lot of people do want the duck soup. A lot of people do want the absurdity. They want to see Trump say offensive shit to somebody. It's like the absurdity is we are, we just experienced duck soup and now we're having the repercussions of duck soup. Yeah, no, it was a quiet voice for for probably several Republican terms, and finally that voice was was visible, and it protested or it got angry somewhere, and we found where these individuals were, where it was invisible before. So it 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 was provocative in that regard, having having that president in office um, to you know shed some light on this element that you know probably is a bit fringy a little yeah no i i i agree which is why again i always go back to like everything's for a reason like you know it's not about defending what happens to this country of donald trump taking office but everything has its utility and i think kind of what aaron's hinting at is or maybe paul was more hinting at is that like the the whole thing is absurd but the people who are in performance of the thing act like they're it's all real and act all serious about it and so the so so the the general uh the 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 collective unconscious of of the of the, our society wants to break that open and say hey just be real like show us what you really are like we know it's not real why are we all just in kumbaya like pretending that it is like and that's the utility of breaking that open of showing just how the whole thing is a big circus Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i love that scene where everyone's prepping for the new heir the new president if you will to waltz down the center of this beautiful (laughs) arrangement they've set up and he jumps out of bed and he's got like a half tucked in shirt and slides down the pole and he's just standing there like What's going on, you know? And then he just offends everybody and basically tells everyone, like, I'm better than you. Like, you're stupid. Bye. You know? And it's just, it just breaks the mold. And you have this guy, this politician that's just trying to set up controversy. He's trying to bring him down. He's hiring, you know, the investigators, the FBI. I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to find, find dirt on you. I mean, it's literally the political atmosphere we just went through in 2020 just in the absurd comedy aspect where this guy was unstoppable because he was like literally just telling everybody, Hey, this is all fake. Watch how fake it is. I'm going to do this. Oh shit. He did that. Wow. Like, yeah, it's almost like a a synonymous. What? What was that word? A synonym? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, a spice. It's a spice in a camera. Yeah, synonym. Yeah. Synonym. Um, <laughs> synonym. Thank you. Uh, cinnamon. Cinnamon. Synonym. Um, yeah, it's almost like a synonym for politician should be hypnotizer. And not, and until we get to a place where nobody is cap- is you know nobody's susceptible to being hypnotized, you know, nobody's gonna like storm the Capitol in name of their 
you know, of, of their uh, hero. Like until we all get to a place where nobody is capable of really believing in someone to that degree mm-hmm. where you're willing to storm a capital. You know, that's where we all need to be. We all need to like look at all of these uh, people who want to be our leaders as the same leader in, in, in duck soup. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I love it. It's a, it was prophetic. It was uh, political and um, you know, it, it definitely foretold the uh, events that were to come many, many decades later. Not Chris even Brink. many decades later, just yeah, well, a, a, a decade later <laughs> or at the same time. I mean, this is a contemporary, I mean, 1932 was the beer hall push and it failed. And in that year, basically during the production of this movie was when Hitler was writing Mein Kampf in prison. So like, it's definitely prophetic in that sense. Wow. Yeah. And, and then you have Mussolini yep, uh, in the brown over, over yeah. in Italy as well at the same time. And, um, that is interesting in the sense that wait, I've been giving I've been giving Chaplin credit as far as the the Marx brothers copying Chaplin, but it's the other way around, right? Chaplin no, took in, they were contemporaries. Chaplin, nineteen thirty one, right? But you said Hitler was writing Mein Kampf, but Chaplin but Chaplin and Hitler were the same time period. Yeah. Yeah. That the so, dictator is based on Hitler. Right. So that would mean Chaplin is after this. No, Chap- so Chaplin had a very long career. I mean, it was only until the 50s where he was blacklisted from Hollywood that he stopped making movies. I mean, he made movies in the 30s and 40s. I mean, uh, this City Lights is in 1927. Okay, so City Lights was before this. Yeah, I mean... So, so, he- so, Hitler, so Hitler copied Chaplin's mustache. <laughs> no, it was a popular yes. mustache at the you, time. You heard, you heard it here first <laughs> on Dead Cinema Society. <laughs> <laughs> this just in, Hitler stole his mustache from Charlie Chaplin. I think uh, Hitler should have done the full blocked mustache. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would have been a little more. Do you guys think that popular. guys like Samuel Beckett uh, took inspiration from the Marx Brothers as far as like the quickness hmm. of the writing goes? I don't know who Samuel well, Beckett how, is. And what work? Beckett uh, did uh, Waiting for Godot. Waiting for Godot. 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 Yeah, exactly. She, he, waiting for wait, Gail Gadot to play Wonder Woman? Yeah, Wonder Woman, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm not familiar. No, waiting for Gail Gadot to, to disappear from making those cheesy videos. Surly um, Irish writer, you know, I, I imagine <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> um, any closing remarks, Chris? Yes, I think Duck Soup is a... I, I treat it in the same way that I would a vampire. Uh, it is a movie that tried to do a lot and set up a lot for the future, but ultimately on this show, it it falls very short because of the things that came after it. Yes, and uh, let's move on and see uh, if Aaron gave Planes, Trains, and Automobiles a 10. <laughs> no, 